Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. What's the Mario? Hi there, and welcome to Isometric Gaming with Perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with the head of development at Giant Space Capriano. Wu. How are you doing, Brie? What's crack-a-lockin'? I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing back my signature catchphrase to our awesome show for all the new listeners here at Relay. And I'm also, I'm also doing something very special right now. I'm sending Georgia Dow my heartbeat with my Apple Watch. Aww. It's very true. It's Aww. very true. I know. It's magical. I just got it. I just got a tap. One second. Let me oh, check what it could be. Oh, George is drawing me a cookie monster on Apple <laughs> I can't Watch. I knew it was a cookie monster. Because I love cookie monsters. So, so Maddie, what's the pool on how long we deal with this before one of us loses it? <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm so depressed, Steve. So, so Matt, so Georgia and Bree have their Apple Watches, <laughs> and Maddie and I are 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 Luddites who live in trees. <laughs> who who do not have Apple Watches. So, so why didn't you guys get an Apple Watch? Because I don't need it. Everyone needs the newest thing from Apple. <laughs> do you want to know the real reason? <laughs> sure. Because I've been trying to be less reliant on notifications in general, and I've actually gone kind of on a notification elimination diet. Right. Whoa. Those words rhyme. They sound really official. I know, right? I, I'm a poet, and I don't know it. That was awful. That was the that worst was dad joke good. ever. Anyway, that was not but, good. That was not good. Steve, I, I wish yeah. I had like a groan like noise effect that I could like put out for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. But it, but in all seriousness, like I took I took all like the mail notifications. I went through. I turned off almost everything except for like texts, and I like I deleted Twitter from my phone because I was spending too much time in it, and you know for ADD reasons. And when I read Renee's really good review on iMore. And he said that the two main ways you're going to interact with it were notifications and Siri. And I'm getting rid of notifications and Siri, Siri and I do not get along. <laughs> then I just said, okay, well, I don't need this thing. So I, I guess I feel like um, I, I, I'm constantly inundated with people trying to get my attention, like email employees, like people on Twitter. And what I like about it is it really frees me from that. Um, I have it wired so only certain people can get my attention. It's like, you know, people work at my company, you guys, um, and it lets me just leave my phone at my desk and feel like I'm still connected. So yeah. I don't know. I love it. I love it. But anyway, this isn't the Apple Watch this show. This isn't the Apple Watch show. We have, you, you have another show where you can talk all about the Apple Watch and have. And we did. <laughs> and we did. So uh, we also have uh, Assistant Games Editor from Pace Magazine and fellow uh, Apple Watch non-owner, Maddie Myers. How are you doing, Maddie? I'm doing pretty good. You know, there's just blissful solitude here with my watch that never buzzes. Actually, it does beep once a day, but that's it. And, you know, that's enough for me. I'm definitely emotionally satisfied and I'm not jealous at all. Oh. No, I'm not really. I'm not really because I, I don't I don't really know whether or not I would like the Apple Watch. When you described it just now, Brie, that sounded nice to me, but because... Because it was described previously to me as being for Twitter notifications, I mean, I have no, no. interest in that. Oh God, no, no, no! I, I, all I've, heard, I've also heard you can order Chipotle burritos from it, which is interesting. But, I could know. do that. Oh my God, let me. There's a burrito button app for the for the watch. Apparently, well, I'm gonna have to buy that. <laughs> Maggie, I have to ask you: Did you have a good time at Reuters? 
Uh, while I was physically there, yeah, absolutely. I did yeah. not have a good time riding the Amtrak for a thousand years. Why? What happened to you? Oh, we were both delayed when we went. I was delayed by an hour on the way there and then another hour on the way back. So in total, I spent... I don't know, 10 or 11 hours on a train yesterday. Really? They, they made you take the train in? They flew me in. I could have asked to be flown in, I guess, but I thought the train would be fine. That was silly to think that. Uh, well, now <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, Maddie and I did, uh, you know, can we, are we allowed to talk about it yet? Like I th- the actual I show? I think so. I think so. They sent me an email today telling me to tweet about it, and then I didn't. So, this is the same as that. Right. <laughs> CCTV, I'm doing you a solid. You wanted a tweet? I'm giving you a podcast. What's up? <laughs> I was on your show. It's just a really, really long tweet. Yeah, this is like the most epic tweet I've ever written. It's the length of an entire hour. So CCTV isn't actually going to edit together the special for another six weeks, or at least that's what they told me. But Uh Brie and I are both have both been interviewed for a special about games and women in the games industry for CCTV America. And we had to go to Times Square to be interviewed for it. And it was very, very fancy, super snazzy office. And they had to sign me in and everything. And it was all very official and made me feel like an important person. Yep. Makeup, television crews, lighting, like absolute, like this was, it was really great. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I think this is a really important key for women in tech that I I think we really have to, like, shamelessly advocate for each other because, you know, people are always asking me, like, who should I talk to? Who should I talk to? Who can I get on my show? Who can I, you know, who else do I need to be talking to? And I always go out of my way to, like, plug my friends because, you know, it's the way the world works. So, yeah, like, I'm like, oh, you got to get Maddie. You got to bring Maddie in. And I, I think that's really important important to do because I think sometimes women are a little hesitant to promote each other. Like, do you know what I'm talking about, Maddie? Like it gets in that competition thing. That's just awkward. Mm -hmm. I think that happens, but I, not with this so much. I feel like there are actually so few of us that with stuff like this, when people ask me who I know who'd be willing to do it, it's actually hard to even come up with people, honestly. Like there aren't that many people who I can think of who could be on a show like that who would actually do it because a lot of times people don't want to talk about being a woman in the games industry, especially right now, you know. So that's become a problem, too, is not even just that it's hard to network and promote with other women. It's that there's not that many of us in the first place. And those of us who are around generally don't ever want to bring up the fact that we're women because we're like worried people will notice or something. (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like we're all just kind of trying to fly under the radar all the time and just hope that nobody notices anything different about us. <laughs> so it, it is kind of awkward to go to an interview with the express intent of saying, hey, I've experienced sexism and I'm willing to talk about it on television. Like that's kind of nerve wracking, but but not in the same way that uh, just, you know, writing an article about it is. I mean, it felt more f- official to me because I I've I've never been on TV, Brie. You've been doing it a lot this year. This is my first time. But weren't you in that documentary? Yeah, but a documentary is a little different from being on TV, I think. Yeah, there's there's less production going on. It's more like, let's just shove a camera in your face, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, Shannon Sunhagenson made a documentary that I was in, GTFO, but it was independently produced, so she pretty much showed up at my apartment with, like, a nice DSLR and sat me down, and we talked, like, 
friends, essentially. And that's very different from going to Times Square and walking down the street through crowds and crowds of people and going up the stairs to an actual TV studio and having a professional put makeup on your face and like sitting in a chair while people adjust lights around you. Like all of that stuff is new for me. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't really feel that that awkwardness with it. I feel like it's my truth. And um, I don't know. I guess I feel like I feel like it's important to talk about. So it, it doesn't bother me. But anyway, we should introduce Georgia. Yeah. yeah so, so we also have a senior editor yeah. from iMore.com and uh, and psychotherapist and and very patient person, Georgia Dow. How are you doing, Georgia? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Sorry, Georgia. No, I What's love it. Like- How are you doing? <laughs> Georgia was just installing the Chipotle burrito app while, while right, you guys exactly. were talking. It's I okay. was busy drawing. It's okay. Bree has like now a million pictures waiting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, there this is go. the whole show. This so, is the show. This, when, is, this is an audio have... show where we're going to describe the pictures that Bree is sending to Georgia when, on when, her watch. When someone tells a joke I don't like, I'm just going to send Georgia an N. And when someone tells a joke I do like, I will send her a Y. So we'll be able to have secret communication here. It'll be great. communication. I love That's it. That's right. That's right. Great. Yeah, so I'm busy. I'm just busy with the Apple Watch. I've, I got the Apple Watch. <laughs> and job. That's my yeah. life now. Sweet. You know, like that's all you've been doing for like the whole week, pretty much since last time we recorded. You've pretty much just been chilling with your Apple Watch. I've been waiting for it and then happy to get it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Installing things and. Um, Have you had strangers stop you on the street yet? Yes. Yeah. It's, awesome. it's really. Oh, I hate it. I, but it's, it's, <laughs> no, you see, I love it. I'm so excited. I really love my Apple Watch. So even when like I have clients that'll be like they're in the middle of like a really <laughs> intense session and they're talking about like you know, family, and they're like, and then there's like this pause, and then they look at me and they go, is that the Apple Watch? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, it is. (laughs) They're like, okay, wait, wait, can you answer calls on that? And I'm like, call me, and you can see. And like, so, and then we get back to sessions. So I have like, yeah, there's, people are like, no, it can't be. And I'm like, no, no, really, it is. They're like, but I thought you couldn't get one yet. And I'm like, there's a lucky few. (laughs) Wow. See, I hate it because, like, strangers will stop me on the street and go, like, hey, you're Brianna Wu. And it's like, oh, I'm like, are you going to hate me? Are you going to, like, start yelling at me? <laughs> like, one of the people that's like, where's the death pie? Threats. Don't throw the pie. So, like, I'm walking through Times Square and somebody's like, and they just yell at me. They go, hey. And I'm like, what? Is this person going to kill me? And they're like, you've got an Apple Watch. And I'm like, yeah, I have an Apple Watch. You know, like, it's, it's kind of... I don't know. It's deeply uncomfortable. I got that all the time when I was, even when I was wearing like my iPod Nano as a watch and I would get that. And then for a little while I would get, is that the Samsung watch after the Samsung watch came out? I'm like, no, it's just an iPod. Then I had to have a 15 minute conversation explaining what it was. And I don't like talking to people who I don't know to begin with. So it's like I just want to get to where I'm going and finish my transaction. It's like I'm at the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru and having a 15-minute conversation about my watch. Like, no. See, I, I'm like – I'm like – like when I go out, I like have it like low down. I lift up my sleeve and I'm just, I'm just hoping someone's like – I'm like I can't wait to talk to anyone about this. I'm like <clears> – and I'm like over be like – you know, yeah. throwing it into their face as if I've been – it's almost like I'm engaged or something. I'm right. like trying to hold <laughs> Showing off your ring except it's yeah. your watch. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what is the time? And then I like slowly reach my arm over and go, oh. And I'm like, Siri, what time is it? Yeah. And then, you know, so. Kiva Bay wants to know if you love the Apple Watch more than Rob the Robot, Georgia. Oh, oh no. no. 
No. no Let's not get crazy now. Of course not. Of course not. That would be ridiculous. The Apple Watch is utilitarian, and Rob has my heart. Would that Different. be Eros or Pathos? Which which kind of love would that be for Rob? <laughs> I don't think we want to go there. Mm. We can't talk about that. Georgia, we're, are we're you still a robo sexual? <laughs> <laughs> Did we not title oh. an episode? Anyway, that? we should talk about video games. What do you think? <laughs> oh yes. Mm, whatever, sure. I mean, if we must, you know. Right, before before we talk about video games, I just want to remind people, this is the last week that you can order one of our shirts, which you should totally do. By the time that this comes out, there'll be like a couple of days left to order our shirts, and you should totally do that, and then wear that to WWDC or wherever else you're going. So, oh, Georgia, we got hate mail about someone angry that the shirt doesn't have Dalabunga on it. Yeah, they were very disappointed. And I told Steve to tell them that I would like get a Sharpie and write Dalabunga on a normal shirt for them. So hey, if they if they show up at anything that we're at, I'll also do a hand turkey right on the shirt. Right. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Will you do that with my shirt? Yes. Okay. We should do that. We should get everyone's signature and you guys do something dumb on each of our shirts. We wear it. I love it. Dumb? No, talented and something right. fantastic and mind blowing. There's never been anything more brilliant. Yeah, exactly. my signature is a piece of genius. I mean, it's not. There's nothing bad about it. You know? No, no, you're so right. All right, so why don't we go? So we got a little bit of follow up, and then we got a lot of follow up. So um, the f- little bit of follow up is Maddie was trying to help me not suck at fighting games last week. And then this week, uh, just today, actually, there was a video that was released of a pro Street Fighter player and during a, a match, and they were tracking his eyes while he was playing. So you could see where he was looking while he was playing. And apparently he, oh. was, he was actually following a lot of the same advice that Maddie was giving me, not to look at your own character, but to look at the opposite player. He actually was looking kind of in the space in between the characters a lot of the time that I was looking at it, but he was never looking at his own character. He's always looking elsewhere. I'm so. sorry. I'm sorry. I have to say something. Bree just sent me a hand turkey. <laughs> 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 I tried to take a photo. I'll send it out to everyone. Oh, oh my God. Sorry. I apologize. I Sorry. We're going to ruin today's show. <laughs> no, it's great. Keep it up. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, Maddie, you were right, but they but they ruined they ruined it with hand turkeys. So yeah, I mean, whatever. It's fine. I was just telling the internet how smart you were and how good your advice was, but you know, it was really good advice. I'm Maddie, so smart, continue. you know. It's just such a trial for me. Like I'm just so much smarter than everybody else around me. I just Whoa. have to go around knowing that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, <laughs> I'm terrible at fighting games. No one should play me. Yeah. Okay. Sure. We'll we'll believe that. Sure. <laughs> All right. So let's talk. We spent some time talking about Steam mods and Steam char- uh, allowing people to charge for mods last week, and then oh. we recorded oh. about one day too early <laughs> because because this has become like days of our lives for oh. nerds this week with the with the paid modding. So. The day after that, there was an article that went up on Kotaku of all the ridiculous mods that people were trying to sell that Steam eventually took down. Um, But there was somebody who was charging $30 to put an extra apple on a table in one of the rooms. Um, There was someone who was figuring out a way to add microtransactions for $50. So a whole bunch of stuff that they were charging ridiculous prices for that Steam ended up pulling down. And that that was kind of the the minor stuff. But then there was a lot of 
a lot of talk about this person named Chesco, I believe, mm. um, who put together a fishing mod that allow you to fish in the game. And apparently uh, he was using an animation or an animation, either an animation framework or just an individual animation that another modder was using. And so that kind of caused some drama between him and that other modder that now he was charging. And then he apparently had consulted some sort of, I don't know if a lawyer or somebody who claimed that they knew something about the law or somebody who had met a lawyer sometime or whatever uh, that said that he didn't actually have to pay them. But then the other modder was getting very upset. And this was while basically the whole Internet was coming down on him, throwing the kinds of lovely things that angry people on the Internet will throw out. Um, because he had the temerity to charge for his mod. And then he eventually ended up pulling it down, but he wasn't able to completely pull it down because Valve wouldn't let him... They, they would let him mark it as unpurchase, unpurchasable, but not actually remove it from the store. So well, that was, that lasted like a day. I mean, Steve, I feel like... I mean, that's that's well and good, but to me, the, the big news to come after last week's show was... You know, the death threats that happened to a lot of, of developers. Like, they ran the mm. same playbook on them that they run on me. And, you know, Gabe Newell had, like, that emergency ask me anything. So, yeah. you know, I... Yeah, I'm getting yeah, there. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. getting there. Because there's a lot that right, happened right, over the last yeah. couple of days. Right. Yeah, no, I was... I And I, I was not... I was looking at some of the things. They had some excerpts in one of these articles um, that Gama... I think the one, the one that Gama Sutra had explaining and they called him a money grubbing Jew, which, you know, I was, you know, that's, I don't need to go into why that's terrible. Um, but yeah, he got, and then he got death threats and, and all kinds of hate mail. And apparently, uh, so valve had to set up an emergency AMA because they had gotten what they said was it cost them a million dollars in productivity the amount of mail that they had to process from angry people for a program that had made them maybe $10,000 in revenue. Um, so they had an emergency AMA over the weekend. And then on Monday, they ended up just pulling the entire uh, program altogether and refunding the money to everybody who, uh, who bought a paid mod. Uh, it's not clear if the modders are going to make any money, it sounds like they're still going to get paid by Valve and and Valve is just going to be refunding the money to the people who bought it. But even so, this program lasted like all of four days. And it seems like there were some problems with it, clearly. I mean, we talked about the the split between the modder and Bethesda and Steam, and it sounds like Steam's cut that they were taking was 30%, which is sounds like it's pretty... I mean, we know that that's the cut for... For Apple and the App Store, it sounds like that's a fairly standard cut for a, a store owner or a storefront owner uh, in, in a situation like this. And then Bethesda was asking for 45 percent. Um, and then also these legal issues that were cropping up about because a lot of mods end up using other modders, um, other modders work. But it seems kind of disappointing that the a few people on the Internet can just get angry and throw all that hate around and then end up getting a program pulled that could have been really good for the modding community if it had been given a chance to kind of shake out the initial issues and start and, and you know, kind of improve upon time. But it lasted three days. I, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Sure, go ahead. Um, you know, we have, we have talked extensively on on this show about – 
you know, our frustrations with gamer culture. And, you know, I think, like, my reaction to this is it feels like Gamergate is spreading to a lot more of the industry. And I was, um, you know, yesterday I went and gave um, a talk to um, a bunch of uh, prosecutors, um, basically kind of giving them a bunch of information that I can't tell the press, um, you know, about my case and what's happened to me, kind of saying, like, look, this is what's going on. This is why you need to, to prosecute this stuff. And something I was talking about in trying to get them to understand the analogy is, um, you know, if I'm out there on the road and I, if I had never gotten a speeding ticket and, you know, if I knew there weren't going to be any consequences for drunken driving, you know, the roads would be a much more dangerous place, right? Like, we'd all drive 100 miles an hour everywhere. We wouldn't have, like, safety inspections. We wouldn't have, you know, anything kind of keeping um, our vehicles safe and regulated. And what it feels like is because there's no apparatus to kind of rein in death threats in this kind of extreme level of hate language when it comes through, you know, in, in consumer screaming, I think that's just inevitable. I think that happens in a lot of industries. But particularly what bothered me were the, the, the threats to this one developer. And I think that we've got to I think that the fact that no one's done anything about that for so long has created this environment where you can just say anything you want. And George, is something I've been thinking about a lot is our show from last week. Now we were talking about how as humans we're really drawn to extremes. And I think you really see that in the dialogue around video games. Um, and I think it's, it's really sad that this conversation has gotten so polarized and extreme. And I think it's, it's just the absolute tendencies of, you know, consumerism as identity. Um, it's just tearing this industry apart. And I think in this case, you have these, I'm sorry, but children that like don't want mods to be paid for, and they've really stopped a real source of where we could see innovation in this field. So that's how I feel about it. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a really good editorial that I'll link to um, that was kind of taking this in a broader context and talking about Valve's unwillingness. I don't even want to say inability because I don't think it's an inability. I think it's an unwillingness to police their community and to just allow the curation by whoever screams the loudest and going through a lot of a lot of features that rely on community curation and how the community has kind of ruined all those like you look at at steam tagging and you look at some of the tags that are on games like gone home and and on depression quest and the tags that are inappropriate and there are some tools to remove them but a lot of times they don't and they end up kind of and they uh, end up more as commentary than as useful tagging. And then, obviously, we know we talked about your experience on Steam Greenlight a, a few weeks ago. Oh, it was disastrous. It was disastrous. And their reaction to me was like, well, you know, it's open source. And the loveliness of, like, basically a dude tells me, like, oh, it's open source. And the loveliness is you can do anything. The bad thing is anyone can say anything. It's another system that's designed for people that aren't me. Yeah. Like, it's designed by people that are served by this system, and they don't think about how, like, that, that tagging is going to affect someone like Zoe, or their comming system is going to affect me. So, you know, it's another example of the game industry just not thinking through problems through a lack of diversity, and it resulting in a really hostile environment for the rest of us. Yeah, and and curation, too, where, you know, you can't hide a curator, so if you want to use Steam Curation, you're going to have Total Biscuits Top Hat staring yep. you in the face the whole time. Yep. So, you know, this is kind of what happens when you don't have any any desire to, 
you know, to police the community and you're going to let the community do your curation for you is that you're going to have those voices that are the most toxic and the loudest because those are often go along, go along together. And that's what's going to end up driving your business decisions. And I think that, you know, it's I mean, I don't want to tell them how to run their business, you know, but it seems like this is something that they felt was important. And it was something that they spent a lot of time and investment in getting this to work. I mean, they made some mistakes. They said they probably shouldn't have gone with Skyrim first because that already had a pretty uh, a pretty ingrained modding community that they were stepping into. And, and that's fair. But if this was important to you and you're willing to let, you know, some angry people shut it down, it, it seems like a shame to let them basically this. It feels like just like this is why we can't have nice things. Well, I, guess I think, is where I, I think different know. different cultures arise from different consoles, right? Like iOS is a very different culture than PC does. Consoles generally have a different culture than PC does. And, you know, I would love to hear from Maddie and Georgia on this, but this is the exact kind of behavior, this like PC master race, yep. you know, sort of mindset that's all about like the, the hottest graphics card and like building the most cost efficient machine and getting, you know, games and paying nothing for them and feeling it's just everything about the pc community just it feels really unwelcoming for me i think that a lot of that centers around valve i do honestly I agree. like i i don't know that i would say that that same culture exists for other games that aren't associated with steam but steam is such a juggernaut uh-huh. and like so unquestioned in computer gaming at this point that i i don't know i can't help but be st- suspicious of a company that has that much power and i feel like i've spent this year just quietly wondering what is going on with steam (laughs) because i feel like it's gotten to a point where if you play computer games that your steam account is the most important account that you have to a degree that is a little dangerous because it means that steam can't really ban users effectively without getting a lot of bad feedback. Like, there have been very, very rare instances where Steam has banned a user either by accident or just due to some other situation where somebody was pirating games or, or yeah. something like that. Like, like the law was actually broken. They, they go pretty far before they're willing to ban people, although I've seen people get banned by accident as well. And the press that those situations get is so negative. And I feel like if Steam actually started banning people for sending death threats i think i don't know i think they're too chicken to do it and i think the reason why they'll never do it is because they know that people have bought so many hundreds of games with their steam accounts that they really can't effectively punish people anymore do you know what i'm saying like i'm trying to think of a way that you could effectively punish a user who had spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on Steam and was known to be about to spend several hundreds yeah. more dollars. Like, what's their motivation to ever rein in that person's behavior? Well, they, I think you could... I think there are engineering fixes for this particular thing. Like, you can... It's one thing to be able to play your games. It's another to be able to you know, participate in the Valve community. And I think they could you know, pretty... I, I'm not going to say easily because it's a huge backend, but you could add yeah. like flags and things into the account to say, yes, you're cleared to do this. No, you're not cleared to do this. So I, I believe it's a problem they could solve if they want to. My personal experience with them is they don't care. 
I think they don't care either. I think they care a lot more about making Steam completely central to everyone's computer gaming experience. And when they think of everyone, they I don't think they think of women nope. or people of color or nope. queer people. I don't think they think of those people at all. I think they just think of the users who they have seen using Steam since steam came out a decade ago and the people who are still worshiping the pedestal of half-life three and the people who are still making fan art of gabe newell and the people who are still inextricably associated with that pc master race horrible joke those people are still just considered steam's core fan base and i feel like that's who is being catered to all the time to this really weird degree and i i don't know i i'm really starting to hate it but steam is so popular it is completely impossible for me to even begin the conversation (laughs) of saying hey do you guys think it's weird that every single computer game we own is on this one service like remember when we all started getting scared of google that is basically the point that we should be starting to get with steam because it is way too central to computer gaming, I think. No, I, I agree with that. Um, but I, I, I have to say this, like good old games, like before this, and, you know, I might do business with them, so I don't say this lightly, but, um, you know, like they are kind of this other rival service. And you saw mm-hmm. that transphobic horror show that they sent to one of their users two weeks ago where basically this woman asked for a refund of her game because it had some really transphobic content in it you know we can get into that but the issue was the the customer service agent that like was she was trying to get her issue resolved and he gets into this really stupid transphobic argument with her about it and, you know, it's like, where are you supposed to go from here? Like, good old games handled that really badly, I think. Um, you know, Valve isn't so great. There's the Origin service, which isn't really awesome. You know, like, where are you supposed to go if you really care about games on the PC? Yeah, I mean, I just want to add one clarification, because this came up, as far as the banning concerns, because this came up today because uh, Steam made a change to allow developers to ban players from their games individually. Great. Um, which I think comes from the Killing Floor 2, uh, Eula, which was really great that came out this uh, last week that said, basically, if you're a jerk, we're going to ban you from our servers. And if you if you try to harass people in the game, then you're done and we're going to ban you from the servers, which is fantastic. And I applaud that. Um, but one thing that came out that I was I was doing a little bit of research on this today. And apparently it used to be that they would they would lock you out of your library entirely. And they made a change a couple of years ago that apparently when they ban you, you still have access to the games that you've bought, but you can't have any further interaction with the service. So you can't buy anything new and you can't uh, go in and leave comments or anything like that. But again, if you if you're somebody who spent several hundred or several thousand dollars on games, that's still that's still a disincentive to them to do that ever do it. And it seems like the only time that they really that I've read because I spent some time looking at this today. The only times that I could see that people that they were concerned about banning and even in this thing that they were saying about the individual developers was in terms of cheating, not in terms of any sort of like bad behavior like that. It's only if you're actually like stealing if you're if you're cheating or if you're pirating then they'll mm-hmm. ban you but other, otherwise it i haven't seen anything that they particularly are interested in taking action on yeah yeah same i i feel like when steam ban-
disbands people, it's nearly always due to their own financial reasons. Like yeah. that, it's been made pretty clear that that's what they're interested in. And you can send all the death threats you want. Apparently, <laughs> like I, I don't understand why that isn't actionable. I think that it's really short sighted. I think that you're absolutely right um, with the thought that it is. It's because they want to keep their bottom line and the more people that are involved, the, the more money they think that they're going to make. But I think that it's exceptionally short-sighted. They don't understand that it's they're creating an ecosystem. And if their ecosystem is not one of comfort and safety, they're going to end up, one, getting a whole bunch of bad press. And then they're going to do something, right, after they get a whole bunch of bad press. But also people aren't going to join their ecosystem that will feel like they may become marginalized or attacked or dealt with. You really want, especially when you're dealing with a company, to grab out those bad apples and seeds and make sure that you control. Like, app, people are always angry at Apple because they're so exceptionally controlling about their interface, about your interaction, about what is on and what is not on. But they understand that they have to control the way that everyone experiences their applications. And then they can control what happens in the future. And that's the problem with allowing people to run rampant and be hateful and negative is that those bad apples are going to spread. It's going to become a very negative community. And then it's really hard to recover. And in the end, they're going to be losing more money than they gain. You know, it's it's funny because I'm thinking back to, you know, this Microsoft keynote. And I know this is this is a diff- that, that's a different show where Bree discusses that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm thinking back to them making an announcement that they're going to let, you know, iOS and Android developers compi- cross compile to Windows Phone and Windows and win- the Windows platform. And I'm thinking like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you you know, you couldn't not run Windows. And that was the only option. And mm-hmm. it seemed like that was always ever going to be the only option. Now you have this keynote where they're saying, oh, yeah, you can write in Objective-C and just cross-compile it and it'll run on Windows. And, and, you know, that could happen with Valve, too. I mean, it only takes enough of these things for people to say enough is enough. Yeah. And I don't want to see the top hat on my on my store page anymore. And eventually, you know, that will start to change. I mean, I try to buy stuff through the Humble Store as much as I can just to give them, give the dev mo- the money through that. I mean, even though I'm getting a Steam key, I don't know how that works. But it, it just seems like, you know, enough, if, if Valve doesn't start to care about this, eventually what they're, what's going to happen, I, I, it could take a long time. But what's going to happen is that, you know, those people who are, you know, who are creating that horrible environment are going to be the only ones left eventually. Mm-hmm. It, it could I, take a really this, long time, though. This could destroy our industry. Like, let's just go really all the way out here. If we don't get this kind of negativity and, and, and this kind of extreme behavior that's not psychologically healthy under control, we're going to really lose our industry. I cannot tell you guys how many interviews I do. And I'm talking to people and they hear me talking about what's going on in games, and it's like reinforcing every horrible stereotype about gamers that they have in their mind. And it's so sad that it's become true. I mean, yeah. and yeah. It, it's damaging. It's it's ultimately almost an economic issue. You know, like I mean, I don't even care about the the rights of it. You know, like let's just talk about the money here. If we don't get our culture under control and like make it safe for people to do our jobs and that goes for journalists like as well as developers like we could really see some terrible things happening i do have to just give you a a little bit of pushback on a statement steve that um 
if you're buying a developer's game from a Humble Bundle, it is possible that they could be making a decent amount of money from that, but it's almost certainly not as much as if you just bought it directly on Steam. So, no, no, no. I'm not saying right. through a Humble Bundle. I'm saying through the Humble Store page directly. Oh, okay. That's very different. Yeah, no, okay. not, not through right. Humble Bundles. I know that, though, that, that that cut that developers get is not as high, but, but Humble also has a store that you can buy directly. I think... I think the cut might be a little bit better than Steam, I've heard, but I'm not sure. But that's why I try to do it there, or they have widgets sometimes on the developers' pages that you can buy directly through that, too. But no, I I definitely know the bundles, like the pay-what-you-want bundles, definitely the cut is not as high for the for the developer and they make it up in volume. Sure, sure. Um, I'll say one, I just, I'll just say one thing. The only thing I'm sad about the entire, well, there's a lot of things, but <laughs> one of the things that I'm upset about, about the entire mods and, and paying people for mods is that they didn't actually address what people were actually upset about. And yes, there's people that go to the extremes and they're going to jump onto any issue and then try to make it, you know, and, and name calling and just really, really acting horrible. But the reason that people were upset was not because they had to pay for mods. Some people were. But the real thing was that they were upset about the cut that Bethesda got um, in comparison to how, how much the modders got. And they never actually addressed this. They kind of went, you know what, they don't like it, so we're just not going to do it. Instead of actually addressing that these are what the people were upset about, they might have had some ideas to this. And let's see if we can first work it out, discuss it with people, and see if we can come to an agreement beforehand. Bethesda said themselves that they make less than 1% on like modding it would be almost nothing to them inconsequential the amount of money that they would get from this and so then i went well then why wouldn't you just then change the percentages so that people are not as angry because they want the people that created the mods to get a larger percentage than you know the smallest amount i mean georgia have you ever met a corporate lawyer and I, 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 I'm not <laughs> saying this is a joke. I, 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 I'm, I realize this sounds very low, but I'm not telling a joke here. Um, you know, I could say professionally when you're talking to people in large organizations like this, like some people because they are just like cognitively drawn to certain professions. They, when you have a lot of people making decisions, it's not one person making it. It's like a group of people and lawyers step in and managers step in and they're like thinking about protecting their ability to make creative content with their own product, which is why they're kind of basically taking, it's a protective move, right? Um, You know, because it's like theoretically, you could imagine a game like Skyrim where people release gigantic mods for it that like basically change the world and make gameplay deeper and then like they are unable to have control over their product so i see that as kind of of a protective move but there's still modding that's going to happen even if they they don't charge the the amount of money like that's already something that's in play you know what i mean so the amount the percentage does it really change that is just I think it could. I mean, let's say I put together, let's say theoretically I wanted to put together a team with, um, say, a budget of a million dollars to go mod Skyrim, right? Um, And I could go through and add a lot of content for that million dollars. Recouping that investment on Steam is very different, um, you know, it's a very different thing if I have to, if I get like, 
you know, ultimately 25% of my cut and they take taxes out of it, you know, like versus getting all of that money. Like that gives Bethesda a lot more control over it. It ultimately diminishes um, the strength that these people are going to be able to grow on their platform. So I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm trying to say this is kind of what their thinking was behind it. You know, it, it was one more thing that kind of added to the anger. And that's one thing that kind of you could understand somebody being upset about. But at the same time, you know, you don't, you also don't have to charge for your for your mods through that process, or you could just keep doing what you were doing. So, um, I, I don't know. Is but. it would it be legal to charge for content for a Skyrim mod? You could that, ask for donations, which is what they were doing. Okay, yeah, but donations, but actually charging for that product, I, I would almost guarantee that the yeah. you know EULA would would prohibit that. Yeah. So. You know, it's again, it's a protective move. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I imagine there would probably be some people who would say suggested donation of you know whatever. And, yeah, but um, but anyway, so we should move on to to Konami, which has also been a bit of a soap opera this week. <laughs> so uh, back was it was it at E three that they announced Silent Hills? Am I remembering that right, um, Maddie? <laughs> do you I know? Think so. yeah. Let me no. look it up. So so back at we'll we'll say it's at E three unless somebody wants to correct me. But so it, at E three, um, Konami announced Silent Hills, which is a sequel, a, a new entry in the Silent Hill series that was going to be a collaboration between Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro, I, I mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. I <laughs> it's movie stuff. I don't know anything. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and Kojima, who is in charge of the the Metal Gear Solid games, and. They were going to be doing this game together, and they released PT, uh, short for playable trailer, uh, for free on the PSN that day. And that was kind of going to be a a taste of what the game was going to be like. So over the weekend, there were going there all of a sudden was an announcement that PT was going to be pulled from the PSN as of April 30th. And Mm -hmm. that kind of got some eyebrows raised and got some reporters starting to ask questions about what's going on why are you guys pulling this playable trailer for a game that is still supposedly coming out as far as we know and so they started asking some questions and then eventually it got confirmed on monday that uh silent hills is no longer going to be made so that that game has been canceled and um that came on the same day that konami voluntarily uh, delisted themselves from the new york stock exchange um, they are as they're still on uh, stock exchanges in Europe and Japan, but they are not. Uh, they're no longer listed on the New York Stock Exchange. They said what they said was that there was little enough volume that it didn't make sense for them to be there, um, but that obviously didn't go well with all the announcements that came. And this is also with something that we haven't talked about because it was just kind of rumored, but it's relevant to this discussion is that there were some rumors that Kojima and Konami were going to be parting ways uh, due to some changes to the name of one of the, one of the studios that was responsible for Metal Gear Solid, removing Kojima's name from it or, or changing the name of it in a way that it seemed like he wasn't directly involved with it anymore. Um, and, And that's really problematic for Konami because I was going through what games they've released over the last couple of years. And it's really, other than the occasional Castlevania game, it's Pro Evolution Soccer and Metal Gear games. 
And, and that's pretty much all that I can see that they've released over the last couple of years. It, should we start to be getting worried about Konami or is this, you know, is this just all a, a set of coincidences? So, Brie, you had so you you were you had a lot of thoughts about this when we were talking about it. Well, I mean, earlier in the I, I think this is where I have to kind of kick into journalist mode and say, you know, I think we've got to wait for more facts to come to light. I would actually imagine Maddie might know more about it than I do. But um, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I know so many people at Konami, but I can't reveal <laughs> right, what I no, know. Right. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, but it's, it's tremendously troubling. There's no way this looks good. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really, really troubling. And I mean, Silent Hills, there were people who were talking about PT being you know, game of the year. It yeah. Was, it is an amazing scare. It was an amazing game. experience. It was really yeah, awesome. It was really cool. And people were really excited about it. And just to mention when it was announced, it was at Gamescom 2014, actually, oh, okay. in August in 2014. That's so recent to be announcing the game and then turn around and cancel it. Yeah. Especially with those names attached to it. I know. That part of it is the part that sticks out as being very odd because a lot of work goes into those announcements and a lot of work went into PT and that entire run-up and marketing. To turn around and cancel it so quickly seems very, very strange to me. I I don't really understand how that could happen so fast. (laughs) I I don't know. I was hoping... Somebody would there, know. There's another shoe that's going to drop. Like we're going to find out their their books are not like where they say they are as far as being a publicly traded company. I mean, yeah, we're going to find out there's some big blow up or there's some move or they're moving in a different direction as a you know corporate strategy. Yeah. Something else is going to happen, and I, I guess I'm kind of. Um, you know, something I don't like about cable news is when they just speculate about stuff endlessly. Um, and I, I don't want to do that on this show. Um, but it's, it's very troubling. Well, this isn't speculation, but I will just say that I feel like the Silent Hill games have been pretty lacking yeah. for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And I, I think most people who like those games would agree that they haven't really been that great lately. <laughs> Did you play and the Vita version at any point? No, oh. I don't think horror games work on handhelds at all. So pretty much since trying to play that Resident Evil game for the 3DS, I've been like, I'm not going to play horror games on handhelds. It's only going to annoy me. But I'll, I'll check it out if you think it's good. No, it's terrible. Do you think it's good? I think it's okay. an indication of how out of ideas they are. She was going to say, are. don't right. do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it, Maddie. Well, it's very strange to do a horror game on a handheld. You would have to really... Uh, come up with some new way to innovate there <laughs> but um i uh, people really enjoy silent hill 2 to this day and yeah. some people like three but but after that it starts kind of falling off you know and so uh, i thought it was really cool and exciting that pt came out and that so many people were excited about it and that gave me some hope to revitalize the series except now i i don't know i'm i'm just really baffled i guess that because it seemed like a last attempt to kind of come around and and do something cool with silent hill again and i i don't know it will be interesting to find out what actually happened and i hope that we do but with with all things video games the actual process is very opaque at these companies so we may never really know but i mean one thing that i I, this isn't speculation and i can't find the i can't find where i found this before i thought i had linked this in the show notes but i'll find it there was um, they had a breakdown of where their revenue came from uh, over the last five years, and less mm-hmm. than half of their revenue now comes from video games. Yeah, 
the majority of their revenue comes from uh, from gambling software and from slot machines and pachinko machines. So that may be a direction that they're starting to move in that, you know, especially if this, uh, you know, if, if something does happen to Kojima, I mean, Kojima leaving Konami would be like Miyamoto leaving Nintendo. It would be a huge blow to them to because he's responsible for most of the games that they generate that they create right now. So if he were to leave, or if there was something going on there, they may that may be something that they would end up doing is moving more into that space where you know I think they it, it's a little bit more predictable. It's a little bit less of a less of a a big hit type of of industry than you know trying to make AAA blockbuster games. I mean we've we've talked a lot on the show about all the challenges that that triple a developers have yeah and, and a lot of studios close and so that may be something that they're that they're looking to to do more of it feels like konami is a company that really struggled through the ps3 era except for metal gear um yeah. and even to that point i mean they had metal gear one i mean, five metal gear four that came out and you know revengeance kind of went in its own direction i mean it feels like they are a company with all this wonderful ip from the the 16-bit era and 8-bit era and then it's like contra how many times have they tried to bring contra back like maddie do you remember shattered soldier and them trying to like bring that forward mm-hmm. it's like the new contra it's gonna be so mm-hmm. great um <laughs> i i think the only contra game they brought out that really worked was um, Contra Uprising, which was an anime kind of um, version of it. It it feels like they've got all these... all these properties in like um, Castlevania is one they've really struggled to make relevant oh, yeah. again in 3D. Uh, these Game Boy versions like seem to work well, but it just Castlevania doesn't work in three days. Failed four times in a row now. So I don't know. It's you can see them really struggling for relevance, and even with this this move of going after you know, um, you know Del Toro, who by the way has done some of the best horror work that's ever shipped. Um, you know, uh, you can see them kind of moving towards celebrity maybe, but maybe they're just a company that's currently uh, without the leadership to kind of make them a continued leader in the game space. Georgia, do you have any, do you have any thoughts on this or? No, I, I think I, I, I agree with everyone. I think that we definitely do not have the entire picture to it. Um, you know, both things, them, them getting off of the New York Stock Exchange and, you know, not releasing a game of which, and they say that they just they lose a lot of money that they they end up paying out five million dollars, um, and and it's money that they can use elsewhere better. But this is a game that you know again they they had uh, Norman Reedus they had like big names in this game, and it was really popular had a great amount of buzz and the the beta that they sent out was fabulous mm-hmm. and really in- interesting like I've watched twice the walkthrough and it's just intriguing. So you have to think to yourself, something big is happening, and we'll probably figure it out at some time soon. Yeah. I mean, you'd think that they'd be able to take some of this IP, though. I mean, I'm just going through some of the games that they had in the NES era, and it's like the Skate or Die games, uh, Rampart, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Base Wars, which I I still – I'm sure that game is terrible now, but I loved (laughs) that game when I was a kid. And, you know, like you said, Contra and Castlevania and Gradius – and it, it just seems like they they should be able to do something if they wanted to, but they are just kind of putting all their eggs in the basket of doing like a big blockbuster hit and not, you know, they're not, they don't really seem like they're diversifying. Like Capcom, you know, did like the, the downloadable Bionic Commando and Strider and, 
and you know the smaller games that are kind of throwbacks to the to the old games and they could probably do some of that but it just seems like they they don't want to do that for whatever reason yeah and maybe they just went too big with the game maybe yeah it was just a game that was going to cost them more than they thought that they could ever make from it. I don't know. Like there are some, it, it probably cost a big amount of bucks. They have some really huge names with it, so I don't know. Look at the way they released Metal Gear Five. Like that was a really unusual release structure too. Like yeah, I'm one of the people that fell for buying, you know, basically this <laughs> game you can beat in eight minutes for what forty dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's ultimate. You know, that also has some really terrible sexual overtones to it. But <laughs> you know, um, like that's really weird, right? That that, that yeah. game wasn't ready by the time they shipped, and it's it's troubling. And now I'm worried I'm never going to get more DDR, so I don't know. <laughs> well, oh. hopefully, hopefully they'll sell off the IP to somebody who can do something with it. I mean, that's what yeah. tends to happen. Harmonics, yeah, yeah. It's going to yeah. get its new life but, I mean, but, but that's the thing, yeah. too, like DDR, too. That's another another huge set of IP that they're just sitting on at this point that you know they could easily do a comeback i mean if you can bring back guitar hero easily i don't know you could bring back like, ddr at this point if you oh, can bring back guitar hero can. i think can you bring back guitar hero though like didn't we just do the show <laughs> where we were like you probably can't i i don't <laughs> i feel like that's ddr is something that worked really well when arcades still existed and now i just don't know if it could come back there are, there are other ways you can innovate on that genre ways awesome about ddr and i was i was thinking about this because yeah maddie when i was in in new york I, I headed over to dave and busters and played a, a whole bunch of ddr while i was there awesome. um and i was thinking about how ddr was one of the really first games that reached out to a new audience. Like, we're always talking about the need for diversity on this show. And DDR was really the first... I, I'm not going to say it's the first, because, like, that was really Tetris, but it was it really made a, a an inroad to a new market. I mean, it seemed like... You know, a lot of women I knew were playing that game. A lot of gay men I knew were playing that game. Like, it just, it seemed like it was just going for a completely new market. And I, I think that's awesome about it. And I think that, like, Guitar Hero kind of goes to the same market. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on and we can talk about, um, there were a couple of stories this week about um, how video games affect your brain in a neurological sense that I felt really unqualified to (laughs) try to read and understand. (laughs) There, there, there was an article that, that Georgia sent us about a pro pro gamers and how the neural pathways were being, it was like creating more neurological connections between neurons in the brain than, than somebody who doesn't play video games professionally. And there was also a story this week on Ars Technica about a, a startup that's trying to use uh, video games to improve our cognitive abilities and possibly as something that can help stave off Alzheimer's or possibly even um, you know help treat autism and ADHD, which are both in my household that I'm, I'm very interested in. So, uh, Georgia, I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you the floor and let you explain this because I'm really struggling to. I, I tried to read these articles and there was one where it, it was trying to show a comparison between two brains, but it only showed one brain, and I was starting to feel like my brain wasn't quite getting it. So I'll let you. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I'm going to go through just just my bug about when people talk about the brain. So okay. Um, my issue with the article is that so they put out this article that's like trying to say that video games help our brain, right? Which there's a problem with that. Like anything that you do, you're helping your brain. 
And anything that you do really well, what is learning? What does learning look like in your brain? What does mastery of something look like in a brain? So someone that's mastered piano is going to have a really strong connection between music and their motor pathways. Everything that they do, everything you're doing right now, you are getting better at it. You are getting better right now at listening to podcasts. Um, so those pot, the, all of the pathways that listen to podcasts are being strengthened because that's how the brain learns. That's neuroplasticity. So whenever I see these brain, these these like, you know, journals about how this person that has mastered this has a better brain at that. I'm like, duh, like that's how the brain works. The brain works. Like anyone that's good at something, they're going to have a better connected brain for that thing. You know, you want to get really good at learning social skills, spend a lot of time talking to people and developing your social skills. And guess what? That's what getting better is. And so I have a little bit of a problem when they're touting this as like, you know, they're having something that someone else isn't because someone else is working on something else, hopefully, and they're going to get better at that. My issue with it is, are they getting better at something that's going to be really useful for them later in life? And that is then when you have to question, you know, because, and I love video games. I love video games. And I think that the other article about neurofeedback is a much better article talking about how we can use video games to help our brain. But it's just, I don't know, it's just such a trope. Of course, that, of course, like, that's the way that it is. <laughs> so, so, let, so let me ask you this, right? So there's, there are a number of things. I mean, brain age was a big thing back in the DS era. And there's, there are things like lumosity.com. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you don't want to hear me talk about, yeah. Go well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear you talk about it. I want to hear it. it because so, I've okay. always secretly thought that stuff was a load of bunk and I want to know if yeah. it is. Well, is I guess it? the question is, is that, I mean, those things, obviously you get better at those things as you're yeah. doing them. Yeah, yeah, but does it help you with anything else? Right. I mean, that's the question. Right. Are you just getting better at doing lumosity or are you actually, does that have any effect on you actually, you know, do, being able to do other tasks? I mean, like I have the kids doing Kumon every day and that's just like a series of worksheets where they're doing math problems repetitively and i right. know that they're getting better at it but that's the goal is for them to get better at doing math so i'm okay with that but exactly. I, you know these things like like lumosity kind of claim that you're going to be able to do these little brain training games and then they're going to help you in general with your brain function and is that yeah. pretty much a load of crap you are you you're what you said is exactly right you are getting better at the tasks that you are officially practicing you're, you're getting better at those tasks. And again, it's better to think than not to think. But we also, like, we're just so set. And so if you do one that's just a pattern recognition and a speed pattern recognition, you will get better at that type of pattern recognition. Um, if you're doing something like, like Kumon is more, you are learning things that you are going to be doing exactly the same things that you're going to learn in school, but at a smaller pace, and then it's going to reward you. So you're going to want to keep doing it. And so that's much better apt for getting better at, say, getting your school kids to deal with schoolwork because they will feel more comfortable with it. But no, like luminosity does not actually make you smarter. If you want to learn, you know, you know, if you're going to do, a, say, an IQ test, you're going to have to learn many different things. And IQ tests are inherently fallible. They're just, they're, they're very specific knowledge that you're dealing with. So no, these games don't actually make you smarter they make you better at the games that are at hand. So if you're playing a sniping game, you are going to have better hand-eye coordination, right? You are going to, that's, you're going to get better at that. And that's great, but let's not make it more than what it is because then we're lying to people. And I love video games. And I think that 
There's many ways that we can use them to help people, but let's not make it something more than it is because then we're doing a disservice because then we get get proven wrong about it. And then, you know, we, we look foolish because of that, because someone's gonna be like, oh, well, this makes me really smart, mom, look at this. And then anyone that has a, a neuropsychological degree or knows anything would be like, well, of course, right? Like, you know, if you do a lot of languages, your language center of your brain is going to be stronger. Right. But that's, that is what getting better at something is. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I remember when, um, you know, Michael Phelps was really tearing up the Olympics a few years ago. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a long time since I read this story. So, but the, the gist of it was people were asking him if he believed that anyone could become like an Olympic level swimmer. And he said, yes. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, he didn't get into it until he was, you know, later in life and then just felt he really loved it. And I think he used the quote, like, it was like he found a secret unlocked within his body. And that's really the way I feel about running. Like, I didn't start until I was like 27. And I just found like, I'd always thought of myself as very nerdy and out of shape. And it was like, I found something I could do through like repetition and hard work. And I absolutely believe it's the same way the brain. I actually run into this a lot with women that are are scared because like there's this um, fallacy, I think, that you have to have been programming ever since you were 14 to have any kind of job whatsoever in this Mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not true. I think that people are very, very good tend to have that that background, but you can absolutely get a job in this industry by just sitting down and learning how to do it. And so I, I think that really ties into what you're saying. Yeah. Now, the other article on neurofeedback, that's much more interesting to me. Now, I actually don't believe that neurofeedback is... So neurofeedback, what that is, is you are... um, They take a look at your brain waves, and they're monitoring that. And then you're watching on screen, and as you allow your body to calm down and you change your brain waves to be calm, serene brain waves, there's... It can actually read that. It can read when you're agitated. It can read when you're concentrating. It can read when you're really calm. And then you would play a game, and there's many of them already out there, actually. And when you are in a calm, relaxed state, say, whenever you're doing that, your plane goes forward. And when you get agitated, your plane slows down. And then you get calm again, your plane goes forward. And then you can move through different hoops. So it's rewarding you by watching it by pretty much just telling you, I'm at calm brain waves versus being agitated. And that works really well as a you know, great feedback loop to be able to help people understand when they're in a calm cycle or concentrating, so for ADHD, or paying attention to, say, eye movements or, or repeating back um, facial features. And that works really well as a video game because it's much more fun than sitting down and meditating. Meditating is great for you, really great for your brain, but very few people can have the enjoyment and pleasure to be able to do it because it, it is dull. Meditating is dull. I love it. It's good for you. But it's really, really dull. So that can work out much better, especially for children. Can it actually help Alzheimer's? That We're dealing with amyloid plaque. We're dealing with actually fibroids that are growing around the brain. I don't understand how that can help because it's not going to help your brain get rid of them. So I, I don't know why they threw that in there because then I, I, whenever someone says that, then I think, well, maybe the entire – I have to look through the entire set of research because I'm like – they're going to say something that makes no sense to me. Maybe I'm wrong and I under, just don't understand the problem. Or the entire article is like throwing in bunk. So you want to, when you write an article, please write an article that's accurate. Because it bugs me. Oh. And then I get angry and then I put it into the show notes and go, what are people doing this? 
I always feel so much smarter when we let Georgia talk for an extended amount of time. Yeah, we should just let Georgia talk on this show. (laughs) It was great. I feel so much smarter right now. I feel like Georgia needed like a blackboard and a a set of glasses and like a pointer for that. (laughs) And a lab coat. A lab coat? Oh, geez. That's what I'm wearing She could be like pouring beakers onto a brain. I'm just like that. And being like, this isn't going to do anything to the brain. And then, like, she pours another beaker onto it and stuff. That's what this I was This is your picturing. brain on a beaker. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I got a lot out of it is what I'm saying. Yes. Mostly I was thinking about Georgia and brains. Well, we got, we got a lot of compliments for all of your knowledge that you dropped last week, Georgia. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't nice. drop any knowledge at all today. But Georgia got it. It's cool. I feel like we don't really have to do anything on this podcast. Like we just let Georgia show up and make us seem smart. And like we can just yeah. like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I can just chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's what I rage about. So there. So uh, do, do you have any any other scientists who you want to take to school, Georgia, or should we go on to what we're playing? Yeah, let's go. Let's let's do what we got to do. Okay. So 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 Maddie, what are you playing this week? Okay. Um I barely played any games this week at all, but I did play one that is pretty embarrassing. So whatever, it's fine. Uh so I installed this iPhone game Love Live. Have you guys heard of this game? It can't be worse than Pancake. It it's actually a game, so it's already better than Pancake. Uh, so a lot of people that I know, mostly women, are really, really obsessed with this game, Love Live. And uh, I think it's, I know practically nothing about the extended universe of this game, but I, I guess it's like a manga and an anime and like a gazillion other things. And it's also an iPhone game. Oh. And the iPhone game is, the full title of it is like Love Live School Idol festival or school idol contest or something like that um so if you search for love life on the apple store it's called that then that's that's the right thing as far as i know there's like a gazillion of these games uh so it is sort of like pokemon except that you are collecting adorable high school girls who are part of their school club where they are in a singing group this sounds really creepy already (laughs) <laughs> it's creepy, but it's also so cute that you kind of get over it. And the game part is a rhythm game. <gasps> and it is really <laughs> addictive, like really addictive in the sense that I like hurt my neck by bending over my phone from playing it for too long level of addictive, at least to me personally, it like hit the spot of listening to awesome catchy pop songs and tapping out the rhythms some of which can be pretty difficult to tap out by the way once you play the game enough it it gets harder and harder of course and you level up each of your adorable schoolgirls and move them around in ways that are completely perplexing to me i don't understand how the leveling up works somebody can like write in and explain the metagame of this to me because I actually think there probably is more going on under the hood than I understand. I really don't get it at all. But the actual rhythm game part of it, I think is very, very fun. And um, there are also these story elements where like the girls talk to each other at school and like I don't understand what they're talking about most of the time and I can't remember who any of them are and there's like 25 of them and I can't keep track of which adorable girl is which and like who's friends with who I don't know there's a story I don't get it I don't actually care about that part but the rhythm game part I I think is really addictive and fun so yeah that's my story (laughs) 
You know, this reminds me, I almost sent this to you guys on Twitter and I, and I didn't, but there's this game that came out this week on PS4 called Omega Quintet. Quintet? Have you heard about this at all? No. No, it's Omega... What? Quintet? Oh, Ome- Omega Quintet. <laughs> and apparently it's a... It's a turn-based... Oh, that's that's actually kind of catchy. Yeah, it is. So it's a turn-based RPG and an idol simulation game? No, no, no. We're, we're listening to Love Live right now, Steve. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Excuse me for wanting to talk on a podcast. I, you know, that's... <laughs> No, 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 no. This podcast isn't for talking. It's for listening to pop songs sung by adorable high schoolers. I, I forgot where I was. Sorry. But apparently it's like a it's like a turn based RPG. And then in the, in between, you have to, like, be the manager of this group. And then you have to, like, choreograph their dance routines. Oh, that sounds okay. cute. This is similar to that, except that instead of choreographing it, I they don't even really try to explain why you would be playing a rhythm game. They're like, you're the manager of our school club, but you're also supposed to be a high school student, I think. So you're sort of like the club leader, I guess. And you're also playing a rhythm game every time they perform. I don't know. Wow. Don't worry about it. This art is it's, gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's kind of a time sink. So I'm <laughs> sorry that now I told you about it. <laughs> Enjoy! <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. You lost her. <laughs> That's it. We've lost Brie for the day. She's gone. Where's Brie? Uh, okay. Well, Brie, let's bring it back. What are you playing this week? Oh, my God. Okay. I'll put this phone down for a minute. Um, <laughs> guys, She's playing Love Live. I, I played while well, I'm playing that now. So, um, okay. This is... I went to an arcade, and they had Star Wars Battle Pod which is as close as you can currently get in our universe to actually flying like an X-Wing. And what it is, is like you get in this elaborately designed um, arcade cabinet that really feels Star Wars all over it, and you close it, and there's a door behind you, and like the screen in front of you is completely circular, so completely encompasses your entire field of vision. And like as you're looking around for ships to kill, you have to like physically turn your head, and like you're flying. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Like I just I sat down and played it, and it's like poof. $20 $20 gone. Like, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> I am broke. I can't get on. I, I was looking at my watch. I'm like, how did I lose two hours? What What's going I'm on I'm selling here? the Apple Watch. Right. Yeah. Apple watch. I need right. Yeah. Can I trade my Apple Watch in for tokens, please? Right, 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 right. Um, you know, I, I have to say, so if you've played a lot of X-Wing uh, or TIE Fighter, like back in the, the DOS era, back when you could play PC games without getting death threats, um, you know, like it very much uses the same mechanic where it helps to slow down your ship. Like it's very much your your instinct to like aggressively always go faster. But if you slow down, then you're traveling less quickly in the ships around you and you can get them in your sights, then accelerate and destroy them. So um, that tactic from X-Wing versus TIE Fighter works really well here. Um, I played a bunch of DDR. Guys, that game is so good and it's so great. It's so sad that that's not something they're still developing. Um, There's no feeling in the world like going to an arcade and having people watch you Mm -hmm. as you're busting out your DDR moves. (laughs) Like I'm there and Maddie, like it was after they did like all all my hair and makeup and stuff and wearing a dress and feeling (laughs) fantastic. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, look at this. Boom, boom, boom. And like, (laughs) do you know the thing where you grab the bar behind you and you're like turning around and flipping to like do the the double steps things or doing like yep, the double i know exactly oh, what it you're was talking amazing about. it was amazing so the other thing um i've only been playing this for just a few hours but guys i am 
I feel burned out on our industry. Like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just yep. like, okay, I love Resident Evil, and we're coming out with Resident Evil Revelations 2. Let's wait for each episode of the downloadable content to come out and play it. And I'm just, I, I just, yeah. I, I have really, really enjoyed this week saying, you know what, I'm going to go back to an age of games where they're familiar and I've played them before. Um, I'm just going to enjoy the nostalgia. So (laughs) um, I went through and I got a really, really high quality Super Nintendo today. Um, And I've been like, you know, bidding on eBay games because I don't want to buy like a, you know, spend like an arm and a leg on this. But I'm going to build up a really serious um, library of Super Nintendo games. And when it comes to Final Fantasy, um, I'm going to sit down and rather than you know, spend my evenings playing these games that stress me out. I'm going to go through and really mm-hmm. beat Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. And awesome. I'm just going to, you know, sink the, the ways it to beat it, like 60 hours, and just really enjoy that. So that is what I'm playing. And it's um Love it's it. been a really fun experience so far. Um, Frank and I, the whole reason I was late to start this podcast is Frank and I were playing Super Bomberman 2. So. Uh, I love Super Bomberman I know, too. it's so great. Oh, really? It's amazing. Well, come over too. to our house, Georgia, and you can play with us. Oh my God, are you us, kidding? So, I, will, yeah. we will just pl- I will play all day, all night. Like, I will play that game until I am ill. Okay. It's, I love that game. Great, great, great. Okay, I'm going to go back to this game, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Georgia, what are you playing? Um, okay, well, first, it's plaque, not fibroids, just about Alzheimer's, so please don't don't send me spam. Hopefully you listen to this part. Um, or Steve can, like, add it in. Plaque. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I do the- enough work, Georgia. I'm not cutting you into, no, it, it, cutting your voice in. I'm not that talented. <laughs> okay, so I did this, the silly thing of, of um, wanting to play a game on my Apple Watch. Oh, they're um, terrible. It's, it's, it, was, it was a... <laughs> I love my Apple Watch, but that was not a great experience. One, because the games that they had when I first got my watch are just... Uh, I, so I got Cupcake Dungeon. Cupcake Dungeon? That sounds great. It does. It is not, though. Oh. There is no game to Cupcake Dungeon. It plays even without you. You're using... Like, right now I'm using a crowbar to kill cupcakes and jubjubes. And what? then I get money. and tr- it's, It does sound awesome. It's true. And then I, I sell crayons and a toy brick, and I can increase my track tack rate. But truly, there's there's no game here. There's not there's no game. And the interface is that on my watch. So I play that on my phone. On my watch, it will tell me what treasure I've gotten. How like it gives me all the stats. I can't play the game on it, but it gives me the stats, so I know when I because the game plays passively <laughs> on its own. It's just fighting. You're you're in a dungeon of candy. It's like playing Candyland with a crowbar. And um, so on the watch, it will tell you what you you have. And that's the interface that I'm dealing with. Um, the other one that I've just downloaded, so I haven't played yet, is a spy game. I cannot find where I've placed it. Um, and so that's called Spy Watch. And I have not yet started playing it. I'm hoping that the, it's going to be better. But that's just a text-based game. But notifications are required, and I don't want to start notifications. So those are the two games. I will try to get a better game for my Apple Watch for next week. I'm just going to be playing Apple Watch games. 
Well, if you, um, I know that I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I know Mike and Frederica over on Virtual had David Smith on their show to talk all about Apple Watch games. So hopefully they'll have some recommendations for you if you want to awesome. listen to that. Um, they, I, but I, it, it's kind of like every time I see one of those things announced, it just sounds like it's, it seems like they're doing it because they can, but it doesn't seem like any of the games that they've announced have really been games that should be on the watch. No, I think that you're absolutely right. There are certain, like, there's certain games that you should not have on your watch. And I would love one that might be movement based and uses the GPS. And I, I don't know, have to search things or shoot things with my watch. I don't know. So far, yeah. And, and everything I've heard about the way that they that their design doesn't really work with a game anyway, because no. everything's like streaming off the phone or something. Like, I don't know. It's, There's very little. Yeah, you're you're yeah. tethered to your phone. So. Well, I'm sorry that that didn't work out how you wanted. No, I'm like, yeah. But you're 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 enjoying your your watch other than the fact that the games are terrible. Oh yes. <laughs> I I I find myself very skeptical that there are going to be good games on the Apple Watch, yeah. and I you know my column in Mac Life this this month is about it. I I think that. I worry the tendency is going to be for a lot of notification games. You know, like Tamaguchi would be a really great example of that, or Tiny Tower. Um, but yeah. I, I think there's potential in a few kinds of games. Like, I think rhythm games could be really good. Like, there's no reason you couldn't have, a, like, a, a Just Dance-like kind of um, emotion thing with your arm hooked up to it, you know? Figuring mm. that out, I think um, exercise games. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a like lot of like you work um, out and yeah. you try to work out hard enough. Yeah. If your heart yeah. rate hits a certain level, yep. Yeah. I think or zombies run or something like I that. I mean, think about how yeah. much play they got from the the Wii Balance Board, which is you know ultimately oh, a very yeah. you know, facile piece of technology, and they they got a lot of um, you know, play about it. So I don't know. Um, I just think if you're looking to have a video game experience. I, I think it's it's just not something that's going to be as good as your iPhone. I, the only advantage it has are the motion sensing and the, um, um, you know, like the hard buttons, like the digital crown. So Yeah, and, yeah. and the heart rate. Yeah, it's, there's the heart some rate. things that only the watch has. Yeah. But uh, there's very little that is going to make it better than playing on your, you know, your phone. Absolutely. I do think they actually did announce a, an official Tamagotchi app for it. Yeah, though. I played it last Ooh. night. It's terrible. It's oh, terrible. awesome. It's terrible. <laughs> really? Yep. Because that's cute. You could use, like, you know, your your Tamagotchi needs to get some exercise, so you have to run a little bit to get your heart rate up and, you know, shake. I don't know. Move your arm. I don't yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't want a Tamagotchi <laughs> back when they were actually popular. I don't think I would want one now either. I did. I did. <laughs> There's it no shame in that. It would always die. They were kind of scary, like Furbies. Anyway, Steve, what are you yeah. playing? So, Have you ever seen a naked Furby? Just sorry. Yes, we've yeah. talked about it on this show, <laughs> Georgia. I was just joking. Uh, I so just... I finished Axiom Verge. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to call in the, the reinforcements a little bit towards the end because I just was getting lost and I wasn't doing very well. But I, I figured out what I needed to do. But I, it said it took me 27 hours, so 20 to 22 with my technical issues is probably appropriate. And I, I still think it's a great game. I, I th- I'm going to put it on my game of the year list, at, at wow. least as of right now. Wow. Cause I, mm. it's the, it's easily the best game I played this year. Um, I, I think that I was a little bit disturbed. I don't want to spoil anything, but they, I, I wish the final boss was a little bit less like mother brain than it was. Um, mm. Cause you know, they, they, they borrow so heavily from Metroid that it was kind of disappointing that they went there, but um, but the whole game from start to finish was a blast. Even the story kind of grew on me a little bit. 
uh, towards the end. I know I was kind of back and forth on it, but I'm really, I'm happy that I was able to finish it entirely. And I think that it's a really good game. And if you're on the fence about it, you should get it. Okay. Um, so after I finished that, I decided since we talked about how I've never finished Super Metroid, I started playing Super Metroid. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. So I've been playing Super Metroid on the Wii U gamepad um, the last couple of evenings. And I I don't know how far I am. I just got the power bombs. So That's pretty far. That's pretty far. Yeah. And, I, and I've been – I haven't consulted a walkthrough yet. Great. So I'm, I'm trying to do it the same way. I don't know how far I'll get, but I know that a lot of the time that I've gotten frustrated with – when I played it is that I started going through the walkthroughs and then I got myself more turned around and mm-hmm. now I'm just going to kind of trust myself right. and try to play through it as much as I can. But it's, you, I mean, it, I don't need to say what, how good Super Metroid is. It's one of the best games of all time. Yeah. Some, some enterprising listener could probably go through and list all the games that I said I was going to finish finally this time that I didn't, but um, there's not really anything coming out for like the next month until Splatoon comes out. So, um, I, I don't have anything else really to get in my way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to finish it, you know, the same way that I did with Axiom Verge and, and finally finish Super Metroid. So really? I never had a Super NES, so I can't say it brings me back, though I played a little bit of Metroid on the NES. But, I mean, mm. that game is, is Hard. a classic for a reason. Super Metroid is more accessible, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think the problem with the, problem with the original Metroid is just that there's no map, and I need a map. Yeah. There's no map, but also all of the areas are so visually similar in the original Metroid that even if you had a map, I think it wouldn't be as strong visually and aesthetically as Super Metroid is, in my opinion, just because it's so simple in in comparison. That's just what I think. It's it's a lot of the same same types of tiles and stuff like like that. Yeah, like they really just kind of copied a lot of stuff and they could get away with it. That's fine. Um, But Super Metroid, I feel like they put in more effort to make the areas visually distinct which helps it so that you don't get lost which is like kind of the whole point is to help you know where you are so having the areas each look different i think really helps you keep your bearings at least for me i think it's it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece of game design and metroid one is good but it's not so yeah yeah. and it's kind of like knowing what I need to do now, like knowing that if I'm trying to backtrack and there's lava in my way that's keeping me like I need to I need to be here for a reason. So I need to like focus and look around because there's something that I'm missing and I need to find it. So, yeah, exactly. You know, so I'm kind of like, trusting myself and I'm enjoying it more that way. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so we have a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, again, go buy our shirts, please go buy our shirts. Um, we want to welcome Mac Power users to Relay. They joined the network this Yay. week, and that's really exciting. They're uh, a mainstay of podcasting, and it is really exciting that they are uh, have followed us over to Relay from 5x5. So welcome. we're very happy to have them over it here. It feels like Relay is just a happening party. I mean, we've got we've got Jason Snell. We've got Casey Liss. We've got you know, Katie. We've got... You know, we've got Christina Warren. Like, this is this is where the party's at, people. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, and also, we want to uh, point out that uh, App Camp for Girls, which is a nonprofit that holds uh, summer camps uh, every year for girls in their in their teenage years to be able to learn how to code. Uh, they just released an app on the App Store uh, that the girls in one in I don't know if it's one of the the camps or several of the camps. Um, put together so you can go buy that on the app store and that supports app camp for girls which is a fantastic um is a fantastic organization that you should definitely you know 99 cents is is 
a pittance to support that. It, so it it's should not absolutely about go the money. into that. And, you know, Jean McDonald's is a friend of mine who who runs that, and you know she. We work on different problems. I am more concerned with women in the professional sphere. She's more concerned about you know very young girls, and she started looking around a few years ago and was very bothered by how few women she saw that were kind of working in her field and dedicate her entire career, quit her job, and went and launched this thing. And it's a really great program. And, um, you know, this is something I asked Steve to put in the, the show notes today to kind of, um, you know, pr- promote it because I think she's doing really important work. And, you know, I know if you listen to Isometric, you get this stuff. So, you know, take 99 cents and go buy their app. That would be awesome. We consider it a favor. I also, um, I didn't mention this to you, Steve, but as far as housekeeping, I want to plug uh, Gita Jackson's piece today in Polygon. I thought it was brilliant. Um, it is so awesome to see her growing as a writer. And, like, the, this piece, it was all about how... Um, you know, horror movies are great because it's one of the, the the genres where women are told their emotions are real. And I just loved it. As a horror movie fan, it was it was amazing. And I think this is one of the strongest things she's ever written. So, you know, go check that out. Yeah, and I also want to add one more thing about App Camp for Girls. If you're interested in learning more about it, our friend Aline Sims on her uh, podcast, Less Than or Equal, had a really fantastic interview with Jean uh, a couple weeks ago that I'll link in the show notes as well. Cool. That you should go listen to. And Alien is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, watch Alien. <laughs> no, Alien I'm and playing watch... Super Metroid. Isn't that enough for you? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> horror movies and Alien. So oh, it's like okay. it all goes together. Dad jokes. Get it? Get it? <laughs> all right. That so was on almost that as note... bad as Steve's dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I'm Maddie, and I'm not funny. You can uh, you can find the show notes for this show and every show at relay.fm slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Um, go to iTunes and rate and review the show. Uh, we were on the front page of iTunes this week, which is Woo! super exciting. Um, and we were also the top mm-hmm. featured podcast in po- in the Pocket Cast's um, podcast directory. Yeah. So we are really excited. Thank you so much for you know all of your help with rating and reviewing the show because that's how we get attention from you know from these different directories. So please do do that. It does make a huge difference, and we really appreciate your your reviews. This show is also part of the Relay FM network. As I mentioned before, you can go listen to other great podcasts. I've already mentioned virtual and Mac Power users. You can also go listen to Bree on Rocket talk about Microsoft and their 17,000-hour uh, keynote. No, you can listen to Simone de Rochefort read sections of, um, you know, Taken by the iWatch, like, which is this erotic novel written about the iWatch, Apple Watch. That's hilarious. So, yeah, yeah, we had a, a great reading. Can I, can I tell a joke, guys, before we end the show? This will sure. be the last thing we say. So I was looking at my Twitter a second ago, <laughs> and a gamer cater. It's tweeting about how he's done some research. He's discovered I'm connected to giant space cat. <laughs> he's he's right. Wow. How do you think he figured that out? I mean, I don't know. He must have played a lot of Sherlock Holmes crimes and punishments to get that level of uh, detective work. Wow. Yeah. He must have built a lot of neurological pathways in his brain to be able to come up with that with with oh. that level of uh, deduction. You should tell him that you're not, I think. Yeah. I think you, you should dare. deny it. Don't you dare say that. Just, you know, <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> oh, uh, 
anyway, you can follow for all of this more fun Twitter Twitter nonsense. You can follow the show's account, which is at Isometric Show. Uh, my account is at Wicked Good. And Bree, where can people find you uh, telling Gamer Gators that you don't work for Giant Space Cat? Uh, at the Twitter account Samus Glenn. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> those are my real tweets. <laughs> I write those. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, fine. Now no I'll one's going to believe there Look, are different people. This is going to come out eventually. I run the Twitter account Space Cat <laughs> Jesus, I wish you told us, Bree. I know. I, I, it's, it's all kinds of salacious um, admissions on this show. Jeez. And Maddie, where can people find you? Well, it's not nearly as exciting as that, but I do have a Twitter at Samus Clone. And Georgia? Uh, at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Yeah, I was on the